right, well, hey, welcome everyone to a brand new episode of Movies and Brews, where we talk movies and we drink some brews. I'm your host, Jordan, and sitting next to me here, looking pretty sharp, is Daniel. Hello, hello. So today, pretty excited. We're going to be doing an episode here where we're going to be talking about some things that are streaming right now. We're going to talk about the two Fire Festival documentaries, as well as the new Coen Brothers film on Netflix, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. So sit back, relax, grab a drink, and let's talk some streaming services. Cheers! Cheers. Well, before we get into our movie talk here, why don't we talk about what we're drinking? All right, so this week, Jordan, it was your week to uh, bring something for beer and tell. So, Jordan, what did you bring us? So, this week, I'm pretty excited about this. I brought in some Shake Chocolate Porter from Boulder Beer Co., which is from, obviously, Boulder, Colorado. All right, Daniel, you ready to try this stuff? Just try it right, real quick and tell me what you think. Mmm. Smells like a PB&J. Mmm. Ooh, that's nice. It's thick and it's chocolatey. Yes. No, this stuff yeah. is legit. Like, it's kind of crazy. I thought it was a seasonal for a little bit. I had to go over town to find it, but eventually I found a uh, market of choice that had it in stock, and yeah. Should have probably grabbed a couple six packs of it, but man, yeah, this stuff is one of my favorite porters out there. Oh, I know. There's not, and I like the, the emphasis on the, well, it's a chocolate porter shake. So it's got like a, I don't know, it, it, I don't know, it just tastes really thick. It reminds me of like a, a milkshake from Mike's Drive-In. Yeah, and this is just the perfect uh, winter drink, too, being that it's, you know, snowing outside right now. This is just perfect. Oh, yeah. All right, well, before we get into our news here, let's talk about some things we've seen this week outside of our main topics. Did you see any new movies this week? So, outside of what we're going to be talking about for the episode, I did not get a chance to watch any other additional bonus movies and or TV. All right, well, I saw one extra thing on top of that. Oh, yeah? So, to be back off of you last week, I saw Making Fun, the Funko Pop story. And I gotta say, I think you undersold this. It was actually a pretty cool documentary. I had a lot of good time watching it, and I'm not even a Funko guy. Well, yeah, I mean, I kind of undersold it to you because I know you're not into collecting Funko Pops like I am. So it's just kind of like, it was a fun documentary, but I wasn't sure if you're going to be as into it because you're not into the toy line, I guess. But uh, I'm glad you really enjoyed it. To be fair, I'm still not into the toy line, but... I did appreciate it, and it was just fun watching their story, and, you know, they started in 1998, and just kind of watching them grow as a company. Someone else buy them out when the initial CEO got really tired and just needed a break from it all, but how he kind of, you know, he was brought back around eventually, and is still kind of a part of it, but it was just cool to see the evolution of this company in the last 20 years. And yeah, there's so many, like, cameos, like, you had, like you mentioned, there was original Power Rangers in there, there was Alice Cooper, but there was also, you know, Kevin Smith was in there, Tony Hawk was in there, uh, forget... Uh, drawing a blank to his name at the moment, but one of the gentlemen from Metallica, they showed his, like, home collection and stuff like that, which was amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. That was one of my favorite parts because he's... He was just like, I'm a collector, and he, he eventually just collected so much stuff that he opened up his own little museum. I like there, there was a pro wrestler that I'm not really into wrestling, but I liked him a lot because he just has cases full of all these toys, and he's talking about how now he's like an action figure, mm-hmm. and he's just like, it's so surreal. Kirk Hammett, that was the Metallica guy. Yeah, and then... <laughs> I've said, back to, I was just going to mention one more thing about the wrestler, how he's just like, he's like, I have my own proton pack. Mm-hmm. He's like, you can't even buy this. I had to pay somebody like $3,000 to custom make it. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And yeah, you got to see a lot of people's private collections, like some people that are known, some people that aren't. Yeah, Freddy Krueger was in there. Even the original Hulk was in there. It was uh, just cool though, seeing everybody's private collections. So yeah, I will say this was a fun documentary to watch. I think it's just a good hour and a half. I would say check it out. Was an hour and a half or two hours? It's an it's like an hour and a half. It's like the perfect length. It's hour thirty nine minutes. Okay, so just over an hour and a half. And yeah, it's perfect quick. perfect length though. But yeah, really really cool watch for sure. And yeah, I, you know what? I got to say after watching this, I'm not really into Funko Pops, but I must say after watching this, I you know I think I think the world needs Funko Pops. You could at least appreciate it. Yeah, not as much as they need Lego, but still could use Funko Pops in the world. Oh, I, yeah. I get it now. I understand it. Oh, yeah, you know what, Jordan, just uh, since since we're on the part of Lego, I'm just going to throw this in because I was I don't know if I told you about this, but earlier this week I saw like some Twitter post of just like, oh, like what what millennials say they would bring back from their childhood. And I just commented, I'm like, affordable Legos. <laughs> yeah, no, that definitely be my first choice right there. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, my, my very first Slave One ship for Boba Fett cost twenty dollars. Now you got one that and that seemed two hundred. Ex- yeah. Now I got one worth two hundred dollars, or that I paid two hundred dollars for. Yeah. I just thought that was a fun little thing. Uh, that's funny. Okay, well, on that note, let's get into some news here. Take it away, Daniel. Today in movie news, we're going to be talking... Well, I mean, for those of you who lived under a rock this past week, yesterday was Super Bowl. And while I'm not a huge football fan, I don't think either of us really are. But... Yes, I am. The thing about Super Bowl is you usually get some uh, exclusive TV spots for some upcoming movies, and boy, we got them this year. Yeah, I gotta say, I, I didn't watch the game whatsoever. I did get online afterwards and watch a couple of the commercials. I saw the ones we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Toy Story, the two Marvel ones. So I saw, did you see the one with uh, the Big Lebowski? I didn't. So I got to say, for an opportunity to bring back the Big Lebowski, what a disappointing commercial that was. I mean, it was lame. So they had Sarah Jessica Parker's character from Sex and the City in there as well as jeff bridges the dude first off why do those two need to be in the same room they just seem like a weird combo for them to be in the same commercial but it was just so it was just dumb it was a really lame commercial i'm like what a waste of bringing back the dude that's kind of disappointing. I mean, like, I do love Super Bowl commercials, and I think Doritos are usually my favorite commercials because those are usually the funniest ones. But I don't even think, I mean, I got to the game late, so I might have missed it, but I didn't get to see a Doritos commercial. Yeah, I, I only watched a couple commercials. I will say on a positive note, the Hyundai commercial with uh, Jason Bateman was great. I really thought that was really funny. I'll have to check some of these out. I know usually Hulu posts a compilation of Super Bowl commercials, so I'll probably try and see if I can check that out. So what we're going to do is just play them one by one, play and talk about it. So let's start here. Why don't we start with good old Pixar? Toy Story 4 Super Bowl TV spot. Alright. I don't know if people will be able to hear it or not, but here we go. Classic. This place is amazing. Was a Buzz going to meet us here? He must be held up somewhere. Here, Astro Boy. If you think you can take our top prize spot, you're wrong. Dead wrong. Help me get out of here. I'll help you with my foot. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's those are the key and peel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's a great TV spot. One thing I don't know. If it's just been a while since I saw wow. Toy Story, but did they change the voice actress for Bo Peep? Because she sounds a little different, or at least it, it might just be the way she talks in the previous movies. I'll have to look. I, yeah, I'd have to look it up. She sounds the same to me, but I, I'll have to double check and look it up. So f- first, I just want to say, holy cow, has animation come a long way since 1995. We're looking at a still shot of the amusement park. Just look at all the... Tr- I mean, this looks like it was really like filmed on location somewhere. It just looks like it, like somebody took a picture out of a high-res camera. We're, we're, a- we're, high, we're high enough away, you know, or far enough back, I should say, from the uh, folks that, you know, they look like they could be p- real people. But if anything, the people look... The most cgi still but like the trees the bushes the mountains in the back it it looks like somebody just took a snapshot somewhere i know and i was even impressed with the uh this is just crazy to me oh yeah like i was impressed with like the scenery in that wonder park animated preview but this just still just takes it to a new level i mean pixar always brings the animation but it's you're right it's just crazy yeah i mean look at this like even behind like just the shadows of and everything behind Woody. And yeah, Woody and Bo Peep look great. Like I really like, you know, you see the wrinkles and her clothing and stuff. I mean, that looks great. I'm looking forward to this as much as I'm like, why do we need another Toy Story? Like why, why, why? Like the trilogy closed up perfectly. I know, I know. Oh, it's hey, like, by the way, on sale last week. I know, you, I saw you snagged the first two. Oh, I got all three. I got the whole trip. Oh, you got all three. All oh, right. I nice. went all out. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, as much as the trilogy was closed up and solid and good from what i've seen so far especially this little teaser i'm looking forward to this movie yeah i know it's just like i don't know if it'll be as good as the third one but i'm just hoping it's at least it's gonna it's gonna be another spectacle and usually with the toy stories pixar pulls out their a game uh we'll see what happens i'm i'm looking forward to this though same any closing thoughts while i pull up the next one um, no, I just like the animation looks incredible. I am seeing these little teasers does get me a little bit more excited because I was kind of tentatively excited mm-hmm. just because, you know, Toy Story is great. And it's just one of those things that you want to stay good and pure. Mm-hmm. All right. So next, let's watch the uh, Hell Captain Marvel. All right, let's do it. I haven't seen this one. Show these boys how we do it. You ready? Higher for the faster babies. <laughs> Higher. 
Okay. Try to keep up. Okay. All right. So a couple shots we've seen before, but there's some new stuff in there. Yeah, a few new shots. I mean, I really like that ending shot of her just flying up and punching something like an aircraft out of the sky. Yeah, that's um, cool. right there at the end. Curious to see uh, Jude Law and what his uh, role is going to be in this movie. Same here. Really looking forward to... Ju- I don't know. Is it weird that as much as I'm looking forward to the Captain Marvel character herself, I'm really looking forward to seeing a uh, young... Nick Fury. Nick Fury and Agent Coulson. I am really glad to see Agent Coulson back. I know he's he's been in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I have I haven't watched that show. I mean, I just keep up with the cinematic universe, but I can't just... Uh, I don't know. I never got around to investing time into the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I am going to be glad to see his character back in the main Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. So, yeah, nice little tease there. Again, a couple new shots, and yeah, we're only, like, what, a month away, a month and a half away? Yeah, I guess it is pretty close, and I love... Love Captain Marvel. Have a statue of her in my room, and I'm just I'm excited to see this. Last but not least, we have got Endgame. Are you ready? Some people move on, but not us. Let us. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so those two ending shots of Captain. Or not Captain Marvel, Captain America getting his shield back, which I thought that would happen for Endgame, but I'm glad to show that it's confirmed. And then two, love the fact that Rocket Raccoon's walking through an Avengers facility with the rest of them. Yeah, no, this, I love this so much because it's all new footage, but still gives nothing away. And I mean, there's a lot of just interesting things in here. Like in this shot here, I don't know, this looks like an AA meeting kind of thing going on here. I'm not sure what's going on, but that's kind of what it reminds me of. But like everything is so dark, like these outer shots of New York City and the stadiums, everything is dark. Well, let's see. I'm sure we'll be able to see if uh, Marvel gets the dark tone better than the DC guys do. uh, We'll see. (laughs) But yeah, no, I also. Yeah, we got Tony Stark and Nebula working on something together, which I think that's really cool. Yeah, that was one of the shots that stood out when we just watched them. This is the first time I've seen it. I saved it <laughs> for this, but... So, yeah, out here in a field outside the Avenger facility. So it looks like we've got Captain, Bruce Banner... Um, War Machine. War Machine and Natasha. So then we got Natasha practicing some... Uh, now, gunfire. is that Natasha? It kind of looks like the uh, oh, wait, Captain that... America's love interest. Oh, is that the Agent 13? No, oh, wait. I can't... I, it... It's hard to tell. But yeah, I was thinking, because I was actually, the first nah. time I saw this thing on that, it's either Natasha or the Agent 13 girl. It does kind of look like Black Widow. Agent 13. I think that's, yeah, I think that's her name. But now now that I'm looking at it, it does look like that it is. Cool, uh, cool shot here of uh, Ant-Man and War Machine standing there putting on their helmets. They have Thor, which this is interesting here. Um, this weird shape that he's walking through. It kind of looks... I don't know, kind of reminds me of just like Thanos' end view after the first, well, Avengers Infinity War Part 1. Okay. And, oh gosh, then yeah, yeah, I'm strapping on the shield. Love it. Oh, we missed that. Where is that rocket shot? There's a shot of rocket walking through a door. Uh, where is it? Uh, we saw a rocket walking through a door, though. But yeah, then we got all of them walking in the facility. Oh, man. I just, it's just so cool. Oh, gosh, yeah. I'm looking forward to this so much. Anyway, really, I thought this was just perfect for a little teaser. I really don't want to see a full-length trailer. Like, I'm just afraid they're going to give too much away. But so what we've seen so far has just been perfect. I'm hyped. I'm ready. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, what if I, I have this feeling, too, that everything we've seen between the, this Super Bowl spot and the teaser trailer all takes place probably within the first 30 minutes of the film. So I probably. Feel, I feel like we haven't seen nothing yet. I hope so. I bet, if anything, there'll be a brand new trailer for Captain Marvel. Right in front of Captain Marvel. Probably. I mean, that'd be a smart thing to do. Good stuff, though. I enjoyed that quite a bit. All three of those are pretty solid. Yeah, and you're right. It doesn't give much away, so if you've been kind of holding out, if you want to be 100% surprised, totally respectable, but I think you're pretty safe to uh, watch the Super Bowl TV spot. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, well, why don't we switch gears here and get into our main topic. So today really wasn't a good movie to go see in theaters this week, unless you wanted us to review The Kid That Would Be King, but... Both of us were like, meh. Yeah, no thanks. I'm good. 
Either that or... Uh, I mean, Jordan, Jordan already Ar- saw King Arthur last year. It's true. I was tricked. Right. I, I was told I'd have a good time. Didn't work. Didn't happen. Well, that's uh, that's <laughs> 100% foreseeable. So, yeah, so today, yeah, we, we decided just this week, let's talk some stuff streaming. So we decided to talk some Netflix and some Hulu. We're going to be talking about Buster Scruggs first, but then we'll get into those fire fraud documentaries. So looking forward to both of these. But yeah, why don't we start with Buster Scruggs? Yeah, what was kind of your first initial thought of this? Well, um, I kind of, my initial thought was, you know, I knew like the Coen brothers, like this was like a big deal that they uh, got in and directed a movie for Netflix. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of excited to see that. And I'm a fan of Westerns. So I was definitely excited. However, I did not realize until it came out or until you told me that it was just an anthology. Mm-hmm. So like each, each story is probably about 20 minutes long. Give probably. or take. Yeah, give or take. Um, and you know, so 20 minutes, you get like a self-contained story and they're all pretty different. I like how, and each one of them has like a slightly different style and kind of homages to different Westerns, I think. And I don't like the first one was pretty stylized, but that was the only one that was stylized to the, like the kind of like goofy extent. Yeah. I, but oh gosh. So yeah. Do you just want to talk about these one at a time? I guess we'll start with the Battle of Buster Scruggs first. The first one. First off, Tim Blake Nelson was awesome. Great pick for that role. Yeah, no, he's great. But yeah, this it just everything just looks so sharp. The cinematography and everything, just the landscape and just everything was just beautifully shot in this. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was just so yeah, it's just we're following what Buster Scruggs to see just riding a horse singing a song into town. Yeah. Starts getting himself in trouble. He goes to that first bar. And yeah, I guess I don't want to give too much away in these because I do think people need to go see them. I don't know, we're gonna do a spoiler statement. I guess I guess we can do pre-spoiler than spoiler. How am I gonna do that? Because I don't wanna do that six times in a row. I don't know. I just let's, say... Let's, I guess I, we'll try to keep it I think it we should just three. talk about, like... I mean, we might end up talking about all of them, but I'd say just probably keep it to, like, our, our two, maybe three favorites. Keep it to I mean, general, general thoughts. Yeah. I mean, personally, I've really enjoyed all of these. I think, for me, the second one... Yes, the second one with James Franco was probably my favorite. And then, I guess... I mean, they're all good. They're all. I want to say like I like I loved them all because I did. I liked. Um, well, hold on. Are we gonna talk about one at a time or talk about all at once? Um. So we can just do quick little. I just want to kind of go break each one down just a little bit. All right. All right. We'll, we'll go with that. We'll just start with number one, Buster Scruggs. I enjoyed it. I say my favorite things of it. I love Buster Scruggs himself. He was just a really funny character. I know. And like you said, the. Uh, the actor himself, like, he's perfect for the role because he usually plays a goofy guy, but he's, like, goofy serious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I thought it was perfect. Yeah, it was fun seeing him in this. Yeah, he's, you know, from another Cohen Brothers project, you know, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yes, wasn't he a Bible salesman? No, that was a different guy. No, sorry. He, he's one of them in the chain link. Oh, okay. He's well, like, now I feel dumb. We thought you tur- <laughs> we thought they turned you into a toad. He's got that line. Oh yeah, <laughs> I do remember that. But yeah, so I thought the cinematography was really good. The just the general just production design of everything just looks really sharp. But yeah, some moments of stud stud out though. I would have to say um, when he kills that guy in the bar that re- refuses to to uh, deal him a different hand. Just yeah. the way they went about that, I thought was very clever. Yes, and then the, they throw in a show tune right after he kills that guy, and I lo- that's probably my favorite part of the whole thing. The music was just awesome in this. The very last song, too, I thought was great, and that's up for an Academy Award. Was it that? So that's the one, the last one in that first skit? Yeah, that's the one that's up for an Academy Award, so <laughs> that part was just great. I don't know. I definitely, yeah, it's on Netflix, so every day I would say check it out. But yeah, I enjoyed that one quite a bit. So yeah, the next one here, I'm trying to remember like each thing names. It's been a couple weeks since I've seen it, so please forgive me. Well, this next one, are we talking about the second one now? Yeah, so the, this James is the, Franco. The James Franco bank robber. This one was just so wacky um, at the beginning, and I, I loved it. And also, it was just exciting because, I mean, I know James Franco has done more recent stuff, but I just haven't seen anything that he's been in recently. Yeah, I think this, oh. One's, oh, this one's called Near Algodones. Okay. Algodones? Okay. Near I'll go Algodones. with it. Okay. Yeah, I thought this one was just great. Again, a great cinematography, too. Uh, I think one of my favorite parts of this is when he's, I don't think it's giving too much away, so he's 
He's got his head in a noose, sitting on a horse still outside. The noose is, you know, attached to a tree. Stuff goes down, and it's just him by himself. And the horse starts walking further and further away, just tightening up the noose. And just, like, there was a great shot of the tree, <laughs> the noose at, like, a 45-degree angle, and him on the horse just, like, hold on for dear life. Yeah, leaning backwards, just hoping the horse doesn't move another inch. Otherwise, he's done. Oh, I know. Oh, that, that was... I, I... I thought that was really cool, really clever, I guess, because the horse is, like, just moving farther and farther away because he's in the middle of nowhere. So the horse is, like, moving from tiny little patch of grass to tiny little patch of grass, and he's slowly getting choked by his own horse. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. No, I love... That was great. I love, like, said, the... You said that was your favorite one? Yeah, I would say that was probably my favorite one, just get how kooky it started out. Yeah, I guess I'm going to reveal my favorites, like, in order after we talk about all of them, but I don't, just in general, like, it's just... I wish more people would do this kind of thing, anthologies. Yeah, I mean, that's why, like, kind of people like Black Mirror is because they're all anthologies. Each episode's different from the last, but they all have a common theme. Yeah, and to be, you know, adapted and written directed by the uh, Coen brothers. I mean, this was just perfect. I think I think Netflix was the right platform to do this on, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would have seen this in theaters. If there's a, if a theater brings it to in, I'm going to go watch it. Yeah, it does kind of, I could see how it would feel a little off-putting to see this in theaters. But, you know, you're like, Netflix is the perfect platform Still, for something it's, like it's this. Still, it's two hours and it goes by pretty pretty quick. I think it goes down pretty smooth in general. Yeah, it does. I mean, as long provided, as long as you enjoy Westerns. <laughs> Yeah. What's the next one? So the next one is called Meal Ticket, and that's got Leslie Nielsen. So this is where it goes oh, you, from like uh, bright, bright and funny. Or you mean uh, crap? Not ne- Leslie Nielsen. What's uh, <laughs> now? I can't think of his name. Qui Gon Jinn. Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Did, did I say Leslie Nielsen? Yeah. Uh, Liam Neeson. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Liam Neeson. Completely different tone of actors. <laughs> yes, definitely a different tone. But yeah, so this is where we go from like quirky, funny, and musical to a little, a little more serious. And then we go to meal ticket here, and this is where it kind of just gets dark. Yeah. Like, holy cow. I, di- I didn't know what was coming. I didn't know what to expect. But Liam Neeson, he's a traveler. He's got this gentleman with no arms no legs just no limbs he is limbless and he is a performer he sings for an audience like he sets up his cart as a stage and this guy sings to an audience and that's just how they make their money on the road they just go from town to town and entertain and kind of like kind of like a carny i guess but yeah i mean he was it's kind of like and i did like how his cart like was set up how he folded everything out mm-hmm. and it just turns into a mini stage and it was it was entertaining it was interesting i didn't know where this one was gonna go at all like i had no idea but then so many dark moments though like i guess this is one we can talk about that giving too much away is they show liam neeson's character with a with a prostitute and the limbless guy is in the same room, basically just turned around so he can still hear what's going on, but he can't see anything. And it's just like, oh my gosh. I know. It's just, this. yeah, this was one, the first one that got, I, I would argue this is the darkest one out of all oh, of them. it's definitely the darkest So it's good that they just stuck that right in the middle. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, it would be, I mean, if you put this in the very beginning, it would probably turn some people off mm-hmm. and then it probably wouldn't get any farther. So it was very smart to stick this one in the middle. But yeah, no, and I was surprised because Liam Neeson hardly said anything throughout this entire no, one. Just, and you don't necessarily think of it as sinister throughout this, but man, just the ending though, like what was just your initial thoughts? Yeah, I'm, we're not going to say what happens, but it's wow. Um, I, I was Because when he first stops and like drops the, the rock in the water, I'm like, I was like, I don't know what he's doing, but all right. Oh, no, I... Then the next shot, I was like, oh. Yeah, and this one definitely kind of leaves you, like, it doesn't blatantly say anything, but it it leaves you to fill in a pretty obvious blank. That was just, that just shocked me. I was like, oh my gosh. Yep. Are you kidding me? I know, and it's just like, it's also just more shocking because he hardly says anything. The most he speaks is in a scene when he's just drunk, Mm -hmm. but there's like an absence of words when the performance isn't going on, and it's not even um, Liam Neeson who's saying anything. So it's just, I don't know, it has a very eerie feel and very dark tone. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's really not much more to talk about without giving stuff away. But yeah, I will say this one is definitely the darkest of them. And then we go back to more lighter things. Uh, next we go to... Now, this one, I will say, is probably my favorite as well as, like, as far as, like, shot. This is the Gold Digger one. Yes. Is This was just... 
beautifully shot. It was beautifully shot, and I liked this one a lot because it had, um, like, I think the most obvious homage to, like, old westerns because there were a couple scenic shots that you can tell they're doing, like, a little throwback because it looks like how in old movies, like, you see, like, a faraway shot and you can kind of tell going back that, like, the scenery is painted. There are, well, there are a couple shots in there that it looked like that's what they were going for. Yeah. So I really like that a lot. There's just, there just some beautiful nature shots all throughout before we... So who's in this? This one's called All Gold Canyon. Tom Waits plays a prospector. And yeah, so, I mean, in some ways, some people might find this one boring because it's just him kind of talking to himself. He, trying to find gold and just yeah just talking to himself the whole time there's nobody else around he's the only one for minutes and minutes that we see and gosh again stuff you don't want to give away at the end but I enjoyed watching this one again just the beautiful scenery all around and it was just kind of cool how Tom Waits just carried the whole thing all by himself yeah playing and, this prospector no I I like this one a lot like this is I guess we'll save it till the end but spoiler this is one of my favorite ones <laughs> but I just yeah you're right I mean it has great scenic shots love how it begins it ends in like a similar fashion because mm-hmm. it starts with him walking through the forest singing and like the animals and creatures kind of like hearing his like thundering like voice and they start flying away and you know at the end when he leaves they come back mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking I wonder if this one has kind of a message of like this is what man's destruction to like nature per se because there are a couple shots when he's you know because he's digging for gold so he's digging these holes all of a sudden there's like a wide shot and it's just like him by this river and there's holes everywhere like giant mole holes everywhere went from this beautiful just not touch scenery at all to like just mole holes everywhere i kind of thought that to myself a little bit like how man has kind of come in and just like taken over nature yeah you know i didn't actually uh, think about that while i was watching it but you know i think that might have been what they're going for like it, it makes sense. Oh, yeah. There's I, not much more to talk about because like if we talk about the end too much, we're just gonna give stuff away, and I don't want to give anything away. No, it's just like I think definitely all of these are worth a watch, especially if you're into westerns. Even if you're not, though, you'll find something that I think you'll enjoy. And then, so the next one is the Oregon Trail. This gal leaves her family and hits the Oregon Trail. So, Phil, remind me, so she was, she, her brother was arranging her to be married, right, at the end of the trail? Where yes. they were headed, she was going to arrange to be married. That's correct. Okay. Essentially, like, it, <laughs> the brother kind of says, he's just like, well, I think I uh, know a guy who would be into you, essentially. So it's not even a guarantee. He's just like, I have a friend who's looking for a nice young lady, and you're my sister, so let's uh, let's go and meet him. <laughs> Mostly before the uh, pre-tender days. Yeah, arranged marriages. <laughs> Gosh, that's just so funny. Like, yeah, you might like it, you might not. Oh, well, if you do, fine, you can get married. If not, all right, well, maybe we'll find somebody else. Yeah, and I felt like this one is probably the most cinematic as mm-hmm. far as how much it actually feels like a, a, a Western, like a well-made Western movie. Mm-hmm. Which I really like that a lot. It's fun that it's also in the Oregon Trail, which we live in Oregon. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I really enjoyed this one. It felt like, I don't know, it felt the most real, I guess, most grounded. Yeah. I, this was a fun one as well. Um, trying to remember the details of this one again, it's been a couple weeks. What happens to the brother? Remind me what happens to the brother. Oh, like, I mean, it happens towards the beginning, but, you know, they're all, you know, walking and then he kind of just, if you ever played uh, Oregon Trail, he kind of just dies of dysentery. Okay. Well, not really. He just dies he, okay. immediately. Yeah, because remember he <laughs> dies and then she's left with their friend. Friend, or who was that guy? He was just some. He she was left with. Uh, as far as her wagon goes, it was her and some guy that her brother had hired to run their wagon train. Okay. And then the other two main guys are the leaders who are leading this particular wagon train through the Oregon Trail. And we forgot to mention too. She's got her dog with her. Yeah, president. Oh my gosh! So then there's a scene where the guy has to go and shoot the dog. And like, it was, that part cracked me up because you like hear several, a couple gunshots go off, and then like a couple more. You're like, how many bolts is thrown into that thing? Yeah, no, and when that happened, I'm just like, oh, he missed. <laughs> he just, that was pretty funny. Yeah, he like he either missed or he found out he didn't have the heart to do it. Uh, I'm trying to think here again. This one has another ending that we won't spoil for you. I know, like, I, I remember the details of this one. The ending is what stuck out, stood out the most to me. Oh, it is. And it's... It's hard to... Yeah, because I don't want to spoil any of this for anybody. I know, it's hard because, like, you get to talk about the first 15 minutes of something, and then, like, the last five minutes is what counts, and they're all, like, super... 
that <laughs> super compact, so it's hard to talk through it without spoiling it. Yeah, I will say, so the last one is um, my least favorite of the six. Yeah, it's just four strangers in a chariot going to a hotel. I just, I don't know. I felt like there, I felt like there was some like big reveal going to come to the end and then nothing really. Yeah. It kind of, it kind of did feel like it was having a lead up and then it doesn't really have a payoff. But I think besides that, I think this is actually the funniest one. It's called Mortal Remains, that one. So, yeah, I guess there's... I don't know. I'm trying to remember humor. I feel like I remember it being pretty serious for some reason. For some reason, it just made me think of the... uh, It made me think of The Hateful Eight. Now, I'm not saying it's the same caliber, obviously, because I really like The Hateful Eight. It kind of reminded me of that, too, in the beginning of the movie when they're going to the uh, shack. Right, exactly. And it just kind of reminds me of that because it's all dialogue-based. Yeah, all dialogue-based, four strangers in a chariot. Totally reminded me of that as well. Okay. Yeah. And it's, like I said, it's not the same caliber, but I did enjoy this. I thought like the banter was pretty funny um, because there's like a trapper, some high society woman, and then these two guys uh, who are traveling together and they're all in this uh, carriage and they're just going back and forth. I did like how the guy with the accent, I think he was supposed to be French, was kind of calling out this lady because she's just like, there's only two types of people, you know, like civilized and uncivilized. And then the guy just kind of goes on a rant for a little bit about how dumb she is for thinking that way. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it was really funny. I thought that was that very was engaging and was hilarious. And yeah. even the trapper guy, oh, when yeah, he says, was ripping on this lady, he's Irish, just like... It says Irishman, Frenchman, Englishman, lady. She's just called lady. And Trapper. Perfect. I mean, that's their essential characters, or like the essential, like basis of all their characters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. This one was just like my least least favorite, though. I mean, it was still fine, I guess, but it just didn't it's, have what the other ones had, I guess. It didn't have the payoff at the end, and that was part of it too. It didn't have the payoff at the end that all these rest had. So I think that's part of what just made it my least favorite. Now, are they metaphorically? Are they like on their way to hell? Is that the hotel maybe at the end was supposed to represent? Like, they're all going to hell? Maybe. I don't know. I feel like I heard that as a rumor somewhere, but I don't know. I would like to... I mean, now that you're saying stuff, I'm like, man, I mean, I don't even know what the heck was wrong with me while I was watching this. I mean, I was just taking it in, but I didn't really analyze it that much. Mm-hmm. But now you're making me want to rewatch it again. I just watched it. To kind yeah, of like... well, and this is something... Yeah, again, it's been like two weeks since I've watched all this. I, I kind of want to go back and watch it all again myself. Yeah, I think we've talked pretty decent at length about these um my overall thing i would say check it out i enjoyed it quite a bit it's just a good two hours it goes down smooth i will so i guess my favorites james franco one's probably my favorite one too okay battle of buster scruggs was my second favorite one it's kind of a real tie between those two for first i really enjoyed both of those a lot the liam neeson one is my next favorite followed by gold digger then oregon trail and then the last one Okay. One. That's my order. So kind of, yeah, almost in the same order that we watch them in from best to worst. But I would say the first five are definitely solid. I liked all those. And the last one, eh, give or take, it was okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as I go, I'm just going to... My number one is the James Franco one with the bank heist. Love that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, I, does it give anything away? We talked about the end. I love the end, though. When he's like, basically just looks looks at that gal. What, does he nod to her or ask her something? He he just kind of like looks at her. She smiles. He smiles back. And he's just like... And then the cover over his head. Good stuff. Yeah, I would say my favorite in order just go uh, James Franco and then I would go Oregon Trail, Gold Digger and then I guess Buster Scruggs, uh, Liam Neeson. Actually, no, no, I'll put the carriage one before the Liam Neeson one. So... A bit jumbled, but, you know, I... That's better order than me. I kind of went order with what was released, swapping the first two, but... Yeah, I mean, I really did like the but, Gold Digger one a lot. If I were to grade this out overall, I would give this whole thing a solid A. I think Coen Brothers did a great job. I mean, it's very Coen-ish. And, yeah, the humor's there. Again, it's just... I, I enjoyed myself watching this. Like, every every single one, except for minus the last one, had a good payoff. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, most of these had, like, at least a little bit of a twist, which was nice. Except for the last one. Spoiler. Like, it's just... It's pretty straightforward. Not that it was bad, but I almost like, cut the last one and make the whole thing shorter and you got an A plus, but for now, solid A. Yeah, no, I'd give it a solid A too. Nah, eh, I'll give, I'll give it like it. No, no, yeah, solid A. I mean, I love westerns, so that doesn't really. It, it's, but it's not enough to bump it up to an A plus. Well. I think that's it for The Battle of Buster Scruggs. It's on Netflix right now, so check it out. Another thing on Netflix, 
and Hulu. Let's get into some fire fraud here. So, two documentaries that came out four days apart. One on Netflix, one on Hulu. Yeah, one's called, what, Fire? The Greatest Party That Never Happened. And the other one's just called Fire Fraud. Yep. That's the Hulu one. And I gotta say, like, I guess I'll give my initial thoughts here. I knew nothing about this going in. Well, I say I knew nothing about what Fire Festival was or anything. I didn't know didn't know what it was like leading up to it. When it became a disaster, I didn't even hear about it. Knew nothing about this till these got released and people were talking about them. And that's when, like, on other podcasts and things like that, that's when I'm like, well, what is this? And then I watched a trailer for one of them. I forget which one. I watched a trailer for one. I'm like, oh, wow. These are going to be good. But yeah, that was the first time I'd ever heard about any of them. What about you? Uh, well, that's the thing. Like, I was listening to another podcast, not even a movie podcast, but they were just talking about, a couple guys just talking about what they had been watching that week. And one of them was talking about that. I'm like, oh, yeah, because, I mean, as far as, like, I had heard about it, but, I mean, I experienced it through, like, I remember it being a meme in 2018, but not really knowing any details or specifics. Yes, I don't even remember the meme. So, you know, I was going in, like, I kind of, like, I kind of know the basis a little bit. But not when I watched it, I'm like, eh, not really. I just remember, like, the meme and people making fun of it. Yeah, because if I, if I heard anything about it, like, when it first went down, I probably, like, maybe saw a headline and brushed over and thought, huh, that sucks. And then kept moving on and forgot about it. Like, but otherwise, I had no recollection of any of this going down or happening till these documentaries were released. But, yeah, so I watched the Netflix one first, then I watched the Hulu one. I think that was actually a pretty good order to go in yeah i watched the hulu one and then the netflix one gosh i don't even know where to start with this like this is just these documentaries were well made both of them are well made i think i like the netflix one a little better really there was a little more i felt like behind the scenes of it now what the hulu one did have the advantage is they got billy mcfarlane down in a chair and interviewed him so hulu had that advantage but i did like behind the scenes the like it was like a kind of behind the scenes making of the festival felt like more in the netflix one i mean yeah the netflix one definitely focuses more on the festival itself and and the Hulu one focuses more on uh, Billy, yeah, Billy McFarland, and like how he got from his early life to when this all accumulated. Especially in the beginning, like I feel like if the two companies had come together and made, they could have made a one solid two-hour one, like and just had everything in one instead of us watching two separate ones. But whatever, it is what it is, and they're both great. But yeah, I, I again, I had no idea who Billy McFarland was. I had no clue. Yeah, no, me neither. I didn't even. I hadn't even heard about him when, uh, like the like the fire fraud like articles were coming out last year. So I mean, what what did you think in general of the documentary, and just what did you think of the fire festival at all? Well, I watched the Hulu one first, and just like. As far as that one goes for me, I think that one was my favorite because I like learning about the guy and his early entrepreneurial life and how things just kind of like progressed and kind of snowballed into the fire festival and then snowballed and kept snowballing. Just everything kept accumulating until it all hit the his fever pitch. Mm-hmm. And so I really enjoyed seeing how what like the people talking about and kind of seeing him talk about like his thought process throughout the whole thing and what people had to say about him which that's what i found the most interesting Gosh, this whole thing was just so bizarre like or so nutso i don't i guess I, i'm trying i'm trying to think of where to even start talking about this stuff well first of all fire festival if you don't know was this music festival that was supposed to take place in the bahamas for like essentially instagram and youtube influencers and regular people are supposed to well regular people who can afford thousands of dollars tickets um regular rich people yeah yeah, the regular rich people not the famous rich people but the regular rich people can pay to hang out with instagram models and this all this do all this crazy stuff on models and musicians in general artists i i which i will say and just to kick it off i will say in general great idea what a cool idea so billy mcfarland's an entrepreneur he's got he's had a couple things before this, yeah, they talked about that credit card in both documentaries that he created. Which yeah, Magnesium. Kind of, which sounded like a pretty cool idea. And then, so, he's got this idea for an app and needs to fund it and just, or kick it off, I should say, and this that's where the Fire Festival comes in place. I, I would say, in general, awesome idea. Just, the execution was just terrible. Didn't give themselves any time. And it should have started, way, should have had it way more scaled back for the first one. And then just, like, every year, if you're going to do this year after year, just grow it little by little by little. Grow it and make it bigger every year. Bigger and better, bigger and better, bigger and better. But they tried to, like, just start at the um, maximum amazingness in year one. 
with like four months to prepare. And that's when everything just went, well, the shit. Yeah, I know. And it's kind of like, it's not like he wanted his cake and eat it too. He wanted, not even that, he wanted his cake right now when it was not ready. It was undercooked and everybody knew it was going to be bad, but he wanted it right now. Oh yeah. No, it was. Damn it. All right. I'm back. Yeah, so it was just, it was interesting. Um, Because one thing I kept, while watching both of these documentaries, I kept asking myself, like, well, is he really, like, an intentional evil guy, or did he just become that? Now, I think that's an interesting thing, and I could see why, especially if you watch the Netflix one first, it doesn't focus as much on him. But I think from watching the Hulu one, and how it kind of shows how he's, kind of a scammer like he has good ideas but his execution is very scummy i guess right and not like it's not up to or not i'm trying to like above the table i don't know it's not on the level well because the question i kept asking myself here i actually wrote it down here is i don't think billy was necessarily trying to purposely scam or commit fraud but he dug himself such a deep hole that one fraud after another just began to happen. One fraud had to, like, finance the, the fraud before it, but finance that fraud, finance that fraud. I, I, again, I don't think he purposely set out to be an evil bad guy, per se. It just is what happened when everything just fell to shit. Yeah, you know, I could definitely... I see- think his intentions in general were good. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, I think his intentions in general were good. Yeah, but, I mean, there's that old adage that, you know, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. That kind of, kind of, like sums up how Billy at least looks at it from his point of view. Because, yeah, like, uh, they're running out of money. So he essentially just, like, puts up the scheme to make raise some funds to pay off some people. Then he makes up another one to pay off the people. And then he just keeps making them well, to pay off saying. the person he, he before. Just, he just, by a sort of accident and just not good planning, dug himself so she'd pull that, yeah, one after another just kept accumulating. Like, they talked about this with the magnesium card. Is he, like, special VIP offer for all my you know, cardholders, like, tickets to Hamlet. 200 tickets to this, you know, to this one night of Hamlet. And people are like, you know, 200 tickets? What the hell are we going to get those? And, you know, he goes online, buys all the tickets. Well, then it's like, well, shoot, now how am I going to pay for all these Hamlet tickets? Hey, Beyonce! It's coming to town. So Go to the Grammys. So that people order Beyonce tickets, and then that pay the, the tickets for those pays for the uh, Hamlet ones. It's just he's essentially staying just ahead for a a little bit. Yeah. Well, for, I mean, first fair amount yeah. actually. I mean, again, what a cool idea though. Like they went to, so. They went to the Bahamas where this is going to take place. They found an island that was once owned by Pablo Escobar. If you don't know who that is, watch Medellin. <laughs> yeah, or what's the other Netflix? Is it Narco? Mark Narcos? Narcos. Narcos, yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, how cool is that? I mean, the island looked awesome. Looked awesome, and then it... They only mentioned this on Netflix one, but, you know, they're like, yeah, we have this desert island. We got it from, you know, from the estate of Pablo Escobar's family. And I guess part of the contract was you cannot use his name in any of the marketing. And then it goes like, and then their first Facebook post was like, come join us at Pablo Escobar's island. And so they just like pulled out and they're like, nope, you can't use it anymore. Get off. So I'm like, what a dumb thing to do. I mean. Yeah, because I mean, they, so in order to promote the festival, like, well, we got to go make a trailer for it. So they went. They took models there, Instagram models, and went and shot it. It looked like a lot fun weekend to go shoot this commercial. And, I mean, that was, they posted it together really well. I actually have not looked it up yet. I was going to look on YouTube and see if that commercial still existed out there just to watch now. But, I mean, it looks sharp. Everything looks sharp. It looks fun. Like, everybody's having a good time. And, yeah, you know, you've got beautiful weather, beautiful water, beautiful women. It looked like a good time. Pigs swimming everywhere. That was kind of fun. I know. Just beautiful people in every shot. And so, yeah, the whole thing is, like, you know, all these Instagram people are going to be there, including, like, Kyle. Kylie Jenner or whatever. So it's like, come on down and like, we're going to have all this music festival going. I mean, it looked like a good time in the Bahamas for sure. So yeah, again, cool idea, but just executed so poorly. And I just, I thought, I just think this is a fascinating story. Like I feel sorry for the people involved, like that are on his team or like, especially the people on the island. I feel sorry for the people involved. But Oh yeah, the workers. And I, I like the Netflix one because they, in the Hulu one, they do not really talk about or interview any of the people that actually worked for him. Yeah, so, I, think, I think this is why I like the Netflix one a little bit better. You get more of the personal story of pe- other people involved, not just Billy. True. So I think that's why I like the Netflix one just a tad better. I, Gosh, I mean, like, I actually heard that there's been a GoFundMe set up for that poor gal that put in her own money, the, the I, restaurant the fi- owner. $50,000 to pay off uh, her own employees to work, like, 24 hours straight to get 
this all these food all this food ready and she didn't get paid i mean nobody on that island got paid no the bands didn't get paid i mean they didn't even pay the talent to come so yeah no and i i I was thinking about that i was gonna google that before i came over here because i'm like i felt bad for that lady because she's just like fifty thousand dollars like especially in the bahamas that takes years and years and years to save up it's just insane and then just it's all gone just, just gone. because somebody said yeah but from, what I, from what i've heard a gofundme was set up for her and it sounds like they made more than doubled what she lost so that's cool go everybody that did that yeah hopefully some hopefully somebody paid those workers yeah well that's what i'm hoping too is maybe she gets her 50 grand back then some of that gets divided between the workers too a little bit because yeah they were working around the clock trying to get this thing to happen it's just crazy like they promised all this like luxury tents and everything like that and people are saying what did they what did they say those were like survival tents like from uh fema tents yeah or yeah from uh leftover uh, emergency tents from like a hurricane a hurricane, yeah. It's just, oh my gosh, it's just, it's just crazy. I know. And yeah, people are asking questions like, well, so plane tickets and stuff, like how do we get there? They talk about how they would go and like anytime people started asking questions and things like that on like um, social media, their team would like go and delete all those. And they started like making it so like anytime anybody mentions, they'd have like 20 different words. If anybody mentions like the word fraud or even festival, they said in the Hulu documentary, the comment just got auto deleted. Yeah, and that's crazy. And that's, again, one of those things that definitely shows a sign of intent to me. And they were were trying to keep their head above water and hoping that they would come back up right when it was time. But they just didn't. And they sunk hardcore. I know. And it's one of those things that, like, it does leave it open to interpretation to the viewer whether or not, like, uh, Billy actually thought they were going to be able to pull this off like if he was just like so delusional that it was actually going to happen uh, i feel like i feel like he tried because like if he doesn't pull it off he owes a shit ton of money to everybody so i feel like he was really like no we will make this work well i mean like but it just was too impossible to make work well it's true because i guess like at that point they even point out a documentary people are like this is not going to work we're ripping people off and he's like well it, it has to work because if it doesn't work i'm because you'd have to, you, he got to a point where he needed a billionaire to come in and pay for everything. We need to fly equipment in, fly houses in, like people to come build like your bungalows quick. So what's crazy that we we started talking about this earlier is they got pushed off the Pablo Escobar Island and they yeah. found another island, but the place they were granted just was this like crappy gravel place that just looked nothing like what the in the video they shot, like nothing like the video they shot. Exactly. The only thing it had in common was it was still at the Bahamas, but looked nothing like it. The tents and everything. Thing just looked ridiculous, all like dome tents everywhere. I know it's just uh, so it's like that's the letdown. Then even uh, it's yeah, it's just like a oh, it's a comedy of errors, but it's not even funny. It's just something they didn't keep, um, take into consideration. It rained and destroyed all the mattresses that they had. Destroyed all the mattresses, even the ones that were in the tents, which means that they weren't prepared for it to even rain at all. But yeah, what a cluster, though. It's, it's crazy. Like, something that would have taken minimal a year to plan out. Again, cool idea. I mean, I thought this was, like, very cool idea. And, yeah, I mean, everything was cool from, like, people having, like, prepaid... Wristbands that had, like, cash yeah, loaded on them? Yeah. Prepaid wristbands with cash loaded on them. Which, from what I've heard, I guess that's actually somewhat common at music festivals or big festivals like that, people don't want to carry around a bunch of cash yeah which i think that's a really cool idea and just something you preload with you know you can just on your a phone just preload from an account to your band and then people just scan that I, that's a great idea cool idea for sure but just not enough time to plan it out and make it worthwhile but it, i kind of in some ways feel bad for them but at the same time i'm like do i though because they didn't give themselves any time to do this and again they they tried to go too big too fast start way more scaled back less models maybe only a couple bands this first time less guests this first time do it way scaled back and then the next year each year stand on the shoulders of the year before and just to just get to this amazing you know in five eight years from now now you're just at this amazing event with a wanted all along. Exactly. No, and that makes sense. And Especially, I, I still think they would it would have paid off, you know, to start the company Fire too, the the app. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you know, and that kind of I think it was at the end of the Netflix one when like the people who worked for the fu- who, who worked developing the Fire app weren't even like in talks, weren't even involved in making the festival. But I mean, I think it was like when Billy and I think Ja Rule, the the like celebrity, the rapper, the rapper that who was also involved in the festival slash app. Mm-hmm. 
they like uh, the employees were like, we need to rebrand this like immediately so we can still use like because the app they're like it's a good idea but we can't have it called the Fire app at this point. And I think the Ja Rule guy was just like, oh no, it's fine, it's fine. I don't even know why we would have to do that. He's just kind of like, we got a bunch of smart people in this room, and I'm just like, okay, that's just like not even admitting that you fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, it makes total sense. You would want to rebrand the crap out of that, and he did at the end. And they made the icon app, which essentially is the same thing, but it's just, Gosh, yeah, it kind of seems I like mean, either the arrogance or like the inability to admit when you've done people wrong. Yeah. I mean, I give, I give Billy props for, you know, I, I always, I dig an entrepreneur. I, you know, I love hearing entrepreneur stories and like their rise and stuff like that. Like they talked about him being an entrepreneur, like back in second grade with crayons. Yeah. That was good. That was pretty funny. I think they touched more on that in the Hulu one. And yeah, I mean, it's cool to see, you know, I mean, he was doing great things by the age 25 and I, and I admire that but I mean his his fatal he, flaw I guess was over promising things yeah over promising and just he his I think his biggest thing was just he always tried to go too big too quick he just needed to scale back a little bit and work his way up to stuff and he just didn't do it I know it seemed like he, he was, just wanted like the success like the or the uh, I guess the visual indicator to success right away yeah it's kind of like um dc trying to keep up with marvel yeah give us a team up movie three movies in yeah gotcha (laughs) but yeah well i felt like it was like i guess in the former geeks keeping up the Kardashians. i guess um entrepreneur geek wise was he was trying to keep up with zuckerberg and trying to like catch up to zuckerberg is what it felt like yeah i mean i know they they mentioned that in one of them I don't know, Hulu one? I think so. But he's just like, he viewed himself as like the next Mark They, they talked about him more in the Hulu one, you're right, so maybe it was that one, but yeah, gosh, I don't know. I, I, I like seeing both perspectives, Hulu, the Hulu and Netflix perspective of this. I know, they definitely do compliment each other. It's a crazy other. story. Like, I, I could see, I mean, I could see like, you know, we're just talking about Mark Zuckerberg, I could see the social network team like Sorkin and Fincher doing a movie based on this story. Yeah. I could see. I could see this being the next social network. I can see that too. Here. That was pretty. Get a good enough writer and director. I mean, hell, if you got the, if you got the social network team, even bring back Atticus Ross to, and uh, Trent Reznor do the score, and you could have a good dark movie. Like no, definitely. I mean, you just saw Social Network for the first time a couple weeks ago, and I mean, you, you could just imagine this story in that kind of format. I know it would be good. I mean, especially since I mean, these both these documentaries were really well shot and really well produced. So it kind of feels like they've, they've done a lot of good work themselves. You heard Hulu paid Seth, um, or not Seth, <laughs> Billy McFarlane, which doesn't he not look like Seth McFarlane, speaking of Seth McFarlane? Does he not look like him a little I bit? Like, he has like a rounder face. Like, like they like could him. be brothers almost, though. A little bit. They kind of look like they could be brothers. Yeah. You know, maybe he's like, you know, 10 years younger than him. I don't know. Yeah, I heard Hulu paid Billy 250 grand to interview him. Well, he definitely needs the money. Which, yeah, could definitely use the money. I mean, it's kind of like it's not even going to him. It's going to be like, oh, well then. That's the thing. It's like, if anything, he'll divide it up and put it towards Dedios just to get people off his back. But yeah, I mean, from what I've heard, or from what the documentaries say, he's in jail now. Sentenced for now for six years. We'll see what happens. Yes. I don't know. Do you think this is the last we've heard of Billy? You know what? Now I mean, that the public knows who he is. I don't know because he just seems like even like he's going to be in jail for a while. I mean, at least six years. At the end of the Hulu documentary, they mentioned how he starts up like his this little hustle in jail where he's like teaching people how to produce music or something from jail, something. which is fine. I mean, if you're in jail, you might as well be making a few bucks. Yeah, I mean, but it's just like it seems like it seems like he's not a quitter, even if he's. Well, and that's the thing is, I, I don't think this will be the last of him. I Hopefully he's learned a lesson as far as, like, you need to just slow down a little bit. There's a proper way of doing things, and hopefully he is, yeah, I guess less fraudy in the future. Well, but, hopefully no fraud. <laughs> well, you know what I mean, though. Yeah. Shut and and, <laughs> and it's going to be, but at the same time, like, the thing that got him in trouble, like we were kind of, like you said, Jordan, was that he just wants like it to be big huge now and now at this point because of how much debt he's in he needs something big huge <laughs> to get past all of the debt that he owes people right i don't know the, guy, the guy's got ideas he's got definitely has passion i mean you just and as you saw him in the videos too he just needs somebody else to work out the logistics yeah i think he needs like a uh, what do they call that um not a producer but a uh 
He just needs a business manager, I guess. No, it, what, or, there's another name for it. I don't know. Let's just say manager for now. Yeah. That's, I'm thinking of something else, but needs something like that to just kind of like somewhere, someone on the sidelines to just be like, hey, no, let's not do that. Or like, well, let's, let's let's just wait on that. Yeah, just someone on the sidelines to kind of guide him a little bit. Somebody to tell him no. Yeah. Some, well, that's just it. Someone to say no. Because right now he's like, no one's telling me no. And I can do whatever I want. I know. That's one of his things. He needed somebody to keep him in check because he wasn't from like what it showed. Like he wasn't listening to his employees he's like no 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 it's it's fine it's fine so we need somebody like kind of in charge of him to uh make sure things run like realistically i guess yeah i don't i don't know i don't think this is the last we've seen of uh billy though i think he will be back um hopefully again it'll be more planned out for whatever he wants to do next but uh i know people will be skeptical working with him now so again he's gonna have to start really small and earn earn he's gonna have to earn that respect again but you know, he's still young, it sounds like, like under 30 still. So I would say he probably will be back. Probably. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of some closing thoughts. I watched both of these in the last week, and it's just like, whoa. I know, it's a crazy story. It's really interesting, even if you don't care about it. It's interesting. Yeah, you don't have to like fire festivals to uh, be excited about this. Absolutely not. Great. And I one thing I liked about the uh, Hulu one is they explained what more what, like, in the Instagram world, how that kind of works with followers and stuff like that, or whatever they call, what do they call the influencers? Influencers. They kind of went into depth about that a little bit more. Yeah, you have to forgive me. Uh, you know, in my thirties now, and I just I don't know. I've got Facebook, and as of three months ago, Instagram, but I'm not following all these high end people, if you will. Like I just I don't know. No, I mean I don't spend too much time on the two of them lately. I don't spend any time on Facebook, so to, yeah, forgive me for not being super knowledgeable on this on this um, social media stuff. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely fascinating, I guess. No, it is, and well, I guess uh, Jordan, if somebody was to, I mean, both of them are great, and if you have the time, watch both. But if you if somebody could only watch one, which one should they watch? Netflix. Okay, well then. Sorry, this isn't going to help anybody at all. But personally, Hulu's the Hulu one did it for me more. Well, here's what I would say. I would say watch them both. However, I would watch them in the order. I would watch the Netflix one first, and then I would watch the Hulu one. For the Netflix one, you kind of get more behind the scenes of the festival, and, it, and they do a good job on the festival side of things. Then you kind of get more in-depth with the Billy, who Billy is the person more, in the Hulu one. So that's kind of the order I would go in. It's kind of like, go, you know, you see Bohemian Rhapsody, and then you go watch a Queen documentary next. Yeah, you know, and I would say if you're going to watch both, I would agree. I watched Hulu first, then Netflix, but if you're watching both, I'd say also agree just Netflix and Hulu. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have, I would say, yeah, I said Netflix is my favorite one overall, but and watch both. I know, but they both bring something different to the yeah, table. They both, they, well, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Watch both. They both bring something different to the table. Start with Netflix, then go and watch the Hulu one. But yeah, and if I were to, let's, I'll grade these out real quick. I would give an A to the Netflix one, an A minus to the uh, Hulu one. But still, both solid. All right, and for me, it's the exact opposite. Hulu, A-plus for me, and uh, the Netflix one, A. But uh, yeah, yeah, we just like different things in our documentaries, and I just felt that his life story and how he got to where he was was a lot really interesting to me. Yeah, it was all just... It's all just crazy is what it is. The whole thing. Just Could you imagine, like, yeah, you're, you get to the island, and you're just like... like just the confusion of everybody like what the hell is going on like this looks nothing like the video where is everybody what's going on what are those dome tents like what's all the gravel everywhere where's the beach like what the heck exactly just humbled expectations uh, the, the beach is five minutes that way like or five miles that way like what oh man i would be mad especially all the money you spent to get there oh yeah so man, a lot money. of these people probably aren't getting refunded no, I don't think anybody got refunds. Uh, just, well, at oh. least I'm not sure. I know at the end they sit, they kind of start like with the cl- or they end with like kind of saying, you know, people are filing class action lawsuits. Right. I think something will happen and come from it, but yeah, we'll see. Well, if anything, again, like we said, hopefully Billy gets out of jail, learned his lesson, starts small and works big, and does make something of himself so he can turn around and pay back all these people, all these poor souls that worked their asses off for him, especially the people on the island, the people that were working like underneath them all the people that paid to go to this thing and didn't get to go so hopefully in the end it works out for everybody but wow what a clusterfuck but what a good story yeah it was a great story fire fraud and fire on netflix and hulu check them out well we're running over an hour now so i think we should probably cut it pretty short here but that was fun i enjoyed talking about those 
Yeah, for sure. Tune in next week. Next week we'll be talking the Lego Movie sequel. Everything's going to be awesome again, I hope. (laughs) Oh, it will be. Everything will be awesome. Yeah, I'm going to watch the first one, possibly even tonight, but definitely this week before the second one. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. It is going to hopefully rock. Oh, I hope so. But yeah, tune in next week for some Lego talk. And possibly by next week, we'll have some new equipment, too. So we might even sound better, like actual uh, podcasting professionals. We'll see. We'll see. I hope so. We'll see. All right. Well, Daniel, why don't you let everybody know where they can find us? You can find us on Instagram and Twitter, movies underscore brews. Let us know what you thought. Uh, Let us know what you thought of Fire Festival, Buster Scruggs. And yeah, let us know what you're looking forward to in 2019. Yeah. Again, appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate you sharing the podcast with friends. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Woo.